1: You're listening to Healthy Voices Radio, a podcast by health advocates for health advocates. Join us for real conversations on the ways health impacts our lives, featuring guests from the Healthy Voices community and beyond. Co-hosted by Robert Brining, Brady Dale S. Morris, and Dawn M. Gibson. This is Healthy Voices Radio.
0: Hello, everyone. I am Brady Dale Etzkorn-Morris, and along with my co-host, Robert Brining and Don M. Gibson, would like to welcome you back to Healthy Voices Radio for season three. Healthy Voices Radio is produced and sponsored by Janssen and Johnson & Johnson Medical Devices, the founders of Healthy Voices, a groundbreaking leadership conference created exclusively to empower online health advocates. Before we get started, a few disclaimers. If you need medical advice or have questions about your treatment or condition, We urge you to speak to your doctor as we cannot provide any medical advice. Per regulatory guidelines, we are not permitted to discuss any medications or products during the show. All information shared or later posted about this podcast will be done so in a public capacity. For that reason, we will not be sharing any personal or confidential information we don't want others to know. And for the same reason, we will not share any personal information about another person during today's episode. And last but not least, Johnson has paid Robert, Don, and I to host and produce this podcast. All thoughts expressed here are our own. And with that said, let's welcome my amazing co-host, Don and Robert. Hey, Don and Robert. Hey, Brady. Hey.
1: hey.
0: Guys, can you believe it, Robert and Don? Season three, Healthy Voices Radio. Here we are. I'm
2: excited.
0: Well,
3: first, welcome. Welcome to the family, Don. Welcome.
2: Thank you. Yes, we are so excited to have you. I will never forget the afternoon where you called me. So excited, encouraging me to join. It was very sweet.
0: It was really funny. Robert and I were like, going back and forth, do you want to call her? Do you want to text her? Do you want to messenger? Facebook. What? It was great. Yes, we're so happy to have you, Don. So happy to have you. Robert. Let's talk about, about
3: this, today's show. Yeah, I want to talk about the new format that we have coming up because yes. people are seeing us in, in, in like a Zoom cast is what I guess we'll call it from now on, um, where we're live and, ex- and experiencing this, you know, with you. You're not just listening to us after the fact. So um, we're going to really touch on uh, major topics. We're going to have a lot of uh, important information that we're going to share about and we're going to work on a panel kind of similar to like, uh, you know, The View or The Talk, right, where we kind of pass it around and, and speak on hot topics. Dawn, I'm excited to have you join
2: us. (laughs) Well, thanks. I'm excited, too. I know we're going to be working a lot on health equity, health disparities, and uh, kind of how COVID is reshaping our health landscape. And we have a lot to learn from our community this year. And I'm really excited.
3: Yeah, I'm excited, too, especially to uh, have our guest, uh, my brother, my tribe mate here, um, Guy Anthony. He's an amazing advocate, HIV advocate out of New York. He is somebody who is a part of the Positively Fearless tribe with me, and he is somebody who I know I can count on if I ever need anything. Me and Guy may not speak all the time or have a a regular conversation going on, but I know if I need something, I can call Guy, and Guy knows he can call me. You know what I mean? I think that's one of the things that's great about a relationship is it doesn't need to be active all the time, but when the important things happen, we're here. You know what I mean? So Guy's going to come on, and we're going to – have Guy speak about his experience um, uh, when he had COVID this uh, year. And we're going to talk about COVID in general and how it kind of changed everything that we do and his advocacy and, and how it kind of really reshaped what the new normal is. So please help me welcome my friend, Guy Anthony. Hey, guys. Thanks, everybody.
1: You're here. I not know. <laughs> <laughs> Hi guys. I'm honored to be here. Thank you for, um, having me be the season three, the first guest. So that's an honor for me. Um, I know each of you, uh, personally, I just recently met Dawn and I'm obsessed with her and her bird collecting. And like, I'm obsessed. Like we have to talk offline about that. But, um, yeah, today's a good day. I like to say it like that. You know, every day is not a good day and I like to be honest. And so today mm-hmm. is a good day. And so I'm going to sit in that and I'm going to live that space.
2: That's
0: wonderful. I can't well, wait chat. <laughs> I was going to say, um, we here at Healthy Voices, were all about authentic- authenticity. And when Robert, Dawn, and I sat down and we were talking, like, we want to do the first episode about COVID this year, yeah. we're like, well, to do so, we have to center the voice of someone who has had COVID. And yeah. from social media, we knew, Guy, that, that you had gone through this. So start us off. Tell us you know, about your, your COVID experience, your symptoms, what made you go get tested, and then
1: – yeah. Um, as someone that lives with a couple comor- comorbidities, I'm I'm just very in tune with my body, or I like to be. Um, and I remember I was in London for my birthday in February, um, one of my favorite places, and I had come back and maybe the next two weeks, I immediately felt sick, like sicker than usual. Like I, I, I get my flu shots, my pneumonia shot every five years, like I'm about that life. And so it just, it didn't feel right, and this is when New York was like locking down everything, and so I let it kind of—I self-medicated for like maybe two or three days, and I'm like, okay, this isn't going away. And so you know, we're in New York, COVID is like on the news uh, cycle 24/7. I have HIV, I have bipolar disorder. Am I going to be able to get my meds? Like, I need these meds to survive. Like, it's not something that I idly take. No, I need these medications, and so. I think like the next week it started to get worse. And my parents live in Detroit and everyone could not come see me. I couldn't have visitors. I couldn't go anywhere. I remember calling emergency a couple of times and one nurse, I'm not gonna say the hospital, but one nurse was like, you know, if you're not desperately ill, she says, you need to stay home. And so the beds were all right. Like we, I had never lived through a pandemic before. This is scary. And to also kind of go through it alone. And, and that's what I think impacted me the most is that I am a social being, but I do hibernate sometimes. Um, and this time, this was something that I could not control. I wanted people to take care of me at this moment, and no one could. And so I really got depressed. And for someone with bipolar disorder, this was just another trigger. And so here we are today, a couple months later, but I am still, Still dealing with um, the remnants of suffering alone for three weeks.
2: Yeah.
1: I'm sorry, to, I didn't mean for that to be morbid, but it's just the reality of the no, situation. It's important. it's important
2: to be honest. I mean, what you're talking about is a major interruption of everything that you need, Absolutely. not only to just function, but to stay alive and, and to be and in the healthcare system, and they're just like, oh, good luck, sir.
1: Yes, but no. and then I have, I, like, anyone that has lived with long-term HIV, they can maybe attest to this, uh, the survivor syndrome, right? And so, granted, I, you know, I've only been living with HIV for 15 years, but at at 34, that's a long time. And so, you know, I've lost a lot of friends to HIV being so young, and I also lost a lot of close people to me for, from COVID, you know? And watching how other countries lock down their countries and put their— you, um, not their patrons, but their, their nation first, and that didn't happen over here. And so I'm angry that I had to lose people in my life that I loved to COVID. And, and sometimes I get sad because I survived. Like what, made me, like what made me so special to survive, you know, this thing for three weeks and come out, I don't know if I'm stronger, guys. But I'm, I'm here, right? And so a lot of people, a lot of my friends, one of my god sisters, she lost her mother and father within a week. Oh. How do you, like how do I wrestle with that? And I, no one could go see the family. You know, like we're losing people and we can't even go to the funeral. So it's just like, how are we supposed to be <laughs> living in this world right now? And now it's kind of business as usual. And that's what's breaking my heart, I think.
0: Mm-hmm. And I and I can relate to you guy. I mean, I lost an aunt that passed away that lived in Florida and mm-hmm. you know, we are waiting until it's safe to be able to get together to have a memorial service. So, yeah. COVID it's as, as life is going on, a lot of us there's there's moments of our life that are paused that we haven't had we haven't had the opportunity to grieve properly or no. and we're, we're we're putting that off and that builds up over time. Mm-hmm. Um talk to if you if you would tell us, you know, what kind of the fears, what what was the isolation oh. like for you, especially living in a hot spot like New York City? Yes, it, was a, it
1: was an episode yes. for a while. It, the fear was like, is this how I'm going to die? Like, like I've survived molestation. i survived rape. I've been, like me and my, my friend and I, we were talking and he was just like, you know, guy, I don't think people really know a lot of your traumas because I keep it, I speak to the subject if you have me on to talk about hiv i'm going to talk about hiv i'm not going to really go into a lot of stuff and i've been robbed at gunpoint three times in my life once tied up in la you know and so i think no one knows that because i don't want to always relive that trauma but then COVID came and so this is another type of trauma that i have to add on to my (laughs) to my bed of trauma and the isolation the fear am i going to die here who's going to know that i died Because no one can really leave and check on people. You know, thankfully, my my mom, like, if I don't call her in two days, she's probably flying here from Detroit um, on a, you know, like, she does not play with me because I'm her baby. And I'm the only one in the family that's kind of with no children, no spouse. So it's just me. And then also, she's afraid of me living in New York anyway. But I just thought, like, oh, my God, I could literally die here from this. And no one would probably find me for a couple days. And I think that that was a whole nother level of like, oh my God, I have to get better. And so I don't know, like, I don't know if it was like the mind over matter effect, like I have to get better, I have to get better. And you know, here we have this thing where we can um, order groceries and have them delivered. That was my saving grace, that I was able to order like juice and- soups and medicine. I mean, granted, it would take like a full 48 hours because everybody was ordering food and groceries. So I literally was like, you know, waiting for groceries to be delivered because I couldn't go anywhere and no one could come over. And so like that, I've never had this type of gumption, I think, ever in my life. And I've been through a lot, but I was focused on healing and getting better, not just for me, but for my mother, I couldn't imagine the heartbreak that will come along with moving um, your baby to COVID and you can't do anything about it. I, I just thought about her having to get that call and I just somehow thought through it. And that's not everybody's story. And so, you know, I'm a lucky one. I'm I'm a blessed one. Sorry guys, y'all know me. <laughs>
0: I'm really curious like the, like it had to have been so surreal to be, to live in a, a city of millions yeah, And then also at the same time, knowing that there's millions of people around you, but you are so isolated. And, and like you said, oh, just Lord. basic necessities, getting food, getting your yeah. medication for your, like you have comorbidities. Um, yeah. Or do you go to the hospital when there are, like you said, there's no beds and you live in a city where you're watching morgue trucks, yeah. um, you know, parking in front of hospitals and things. I can't even imagine. I mean, I'm granted, I live in Nashville um, and we had a bit of a surge and all that. And we're seeing a decline at the moment, but we haven't gotten rid of it. And yeah. and a lot of the, it seems like a lot of the attitude throughout the country um, and our fellow Americans is that, you know, summer's over, COVID's done, let's go on with our lives.
1: Especially in New York. You know, I, I love my city. Um, we're resilient people, but you know, I see people walking down the street without a mask on. And I'm just like, have some respect for me. Like, you don't even know my story. Have some respect for me as a fellow American, you know. And although, you know, we can't force people to wear masks, but it just it bothers my mind that people wouldn't want to <laughs> to just protect another American. Right. Like, I don't know. So and New York is literally back to it's back to business as usual. And that it, it is scary.
3: Yeah, very much so. So tell me, this guy, how has being you know in this COVID <laughs> crazy time, how has this affect your advocacy and, and your and your work in reaching out and you know all the all the amazing work that you do with your organization and stuff? How's that affected it at all?
1: Yeah, um, I think we were on a call the other day, or, or, or um, a, a Zoom, or FaceTime, and I think one of our tribe mates said that it hasn't slowed. It slowed it down. It's added more on our, to our plate. Mm -hmm. And I think that, like, it's crazy how people forget that we're in a pandemic, but I'm getting asked to, like, do all these things that, you know, are not important. You know, this is important because I'm talking to people and people get to see themselves. You know, oftentimes we don't see ourselves on CNN or or on the news, but you get to see us, right? But it's just like stuff that, you know, like, this is in the grand scheme of things, people are dying, literally 200,000 people. Like, I don't want to, I don't care about responding to that email right now. I'm dealing with some real stuff. And so if I'm honest, outside of the stuff that I do with like the campaign with Healthy Voices, my advocacy has like, I have shut it down a little bit because I have to have some self-preservation. And I'm going, you know, I'm you guys know I'm very honest. I'm going through something right now with COVID and just mental health in general. And I only have the capacity to do something for maybe four hours a day and I'm not even joking. And I'm not gonna stress myself out you know, trying to be a face of something because that's, that's what I've done. Anytime someone asks me to do something, sure, I'll be the face of it. I'll do it. And it's not, it, it's wearing thin for me right now, if I'm honest.
2: Guy, would it so, be all right if we talk more about um, your mood and how you're uh, spending your day?
1: Yeah, I would love that. Okay, so it's,
2: it's my <laughs> <of> understanding. Sleep. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yes, its it's my understanding that, one of the central features of bipolar disorder is cycling and some intrusive thoughts and kind of like sometimes someone is maybe driving, you're driving a car and then someone else starts driving it.
1: Um,
2: I have um, about 10 people in my life who have bipolar and I've been watching this for many years and when I hear you talking about the interruption of everything that you need, That gets my attention uh, as uh, somebody who loves a bunch of people with bipolar. So, could you please tell us a little bit more about um, uh, of how your mood has been affected, and then what uh, self care may have helped you um, intervene in in some of this?
1: Um, Literally, I can maybe shift from super excited. I wake up optimistic. And then by like five o'clock, I'm like, I'm done. Yeah. Sad. I'm like, you're, you're so low. Like, why do you think people care about what you have to say? And I'm just like, oh, shit. <laughs> you know? And so, like, when people, eat, like, even when, you know, you, like, he said, that's my brother. He's, he's a great advocate. I'm just like, I'm just, I don't, am I? I don't know. You know? Like, mm-hmm. because sometimes I feel like that, and then most days I don't. Um, And then I, there are some triggers for me, right? Like I, I had a, a bad breakup recently earlier this year. Sent me in a tailspin and then COVID. Mm-hmm. So it was like bad breakup, COVID. Still breathing. And yeah. so some days I'll wake up and I'm just happy-go-lucky guy that everyone loves and jovial. And then Tuesday, I can't get out of bed. Yeah. And people are like, you know, sometimes I talk to my friends about it. This ring light, y'all, Lord. You see the sweat. <laughs> but no, um, you know, that's why I told like when, when I when you asked me how I was I said today I'm okay.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, that's how I like to preface, you know, I, Yolo told me like, really answer a question. If, how, if someone asked me something, I'm gonna tell you exactly how I'm feeling. I'm not gonna be like, Oh, I'm okay. No, I'm gonna be like, had an episode this morning doing better now. <laughs> because that's real. And I can't give the glossy picture anymore of like, yeah, I have all these bad things happen to me, but I'm smiling for the camera in the picture today. I can't do it anymore. And I think that that's what my self-care regimen looks like now because of COVID. I can't fake the funk anymore. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm I'm taking off masks. I'm sitting in some stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm cleaning off some residue. I'm purging. I'm weeping. I'm crying. I'm alone. So it's only me, you know? And I just think that if you know, granted, everyone's not gonna have the same um reaction to a pandemic, but for me, that I had to go inward. I had to. And so I had an episode over the weekend, if I'm honest, and today I'm okay. So <laughs> I'll say that.
2: Well, thank you for that very honest answer. I'm very welcome. It's what I want people to understand about mental health and about um Facing the reality, you know this is as stress. I know for myself as I've been in 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 terms of uh, if you want to call this current events or like whatever you want to call this. Um, And it's I think sometimes there's this push culturally, whether it's in health advocacy or just in general, to make this seem like oh, it's like taking a pottery class or a writing retreat. (laughs) Yeah. No. No, people do not die at a writing retreat. I mean, please, like, don't go to one where people die. (laughs) No, this is horrible. And, you know, here in uh, Oakland County, Michigan, um, over the spring, they were looking at ice rinks to put bodies in, you know? Uh, We we weren't at the same level as uh, New York, but we were climbing that curve, and so, when you're talking about looking all around you and there's death and all of that i, I totally get it and i think yes. we we have to take this seriously in every way but as as yes. leaders we have to be very honest that this is damaging
1: this well dog, most of the people that i'm talking about lived in detroit i'm from detroit my family's from detroit yes. so all of, about three of the people that i know personally that not, have died are yes. from detroit And that's insane to me. And I think that that was also another pillar. Like, my hometown is suffering, too. It was turning into an epicenter in itself. And I'm like, I'm in an epicenter, so I'm also worried about my family back home, my grandma, who's 84. I'm like, oh, my God, you know? So it was a lot. It was a lot. But, okay, I'm here. (laughs) That's all I can say. (laughs) Robert, I can't hear you. Sorry, <laughs> there I am.
3: Sorry, guy. Um, one of the um, things that you, you talked a lot about was isolation. And I, I know it's kind of affected me a lot. Um, mental health, I, you know, never was diagnosed with anything, but I know being kind of uh, in my head through this whole quarantine has really affected me. And, you know, you, seem, you said you, you now don't fake the funk. So, like, yeah. what kind of was your, like, way to not fake the funk because I'm tired of faking the funk?
1: Um you know like what are like
3: some tips that i feel like i'm like i'm always in like a my own little episode
1: but not knowing sorry for me i think it it really took for me to get sick i mean it it took for me to like be i don't want to say like i was on the verge of death i'm not that dramatic but i don't know you know we it was still new to us we don't people were dying right and we still didn't know like what caused it like nothing was like secure. And then, you know, the government that we had, wasn't telling us the truth. So I didn't know what to do. And I I remember getting, you know, getting sick and I had to like take off work um, because I was still working and <laughs> even while sick, right? Like that's a, that's another thing that I had to un- unlearn that I need to work to be something that I have to, mm-hmm. that my work is based on how good I am. It's like, no, no, and so I had to stop doing work. And then I remember just saying, like, I'm going to edit the way that I communicate with these corporations, these organizations, and people. I love them. I love the work that I do. I'm honored to have been chosen, but I'm not taking care of myself. And I re- there's a quote that says, born alone, die alone. I know it's very morbid, but you are essentially. You're born alone, you die alone. And so I have to put myself first. And me taking the funk is not putting myself first. Mm. it's actually doing a disservice to me to not tell you the truth about how I feel. And because I'm not telling the truth to myself. And now I'm all about, I was about truth telling and transparency before, but now it's on a whole nother level because I literally could have been gone. So I see yeah. things differently now. I see. Better. I see.
0: Well guys, uh, we I also said that, that COVID night or in the age of COVID, um, and those of us who are health advocates have already you know, noticed and, and know this to be a fact anyway, but we know that COVID has just exasperated and, and further spotlighted health inequities and, and the social disparities um, that we have. Could you talk about kind of like those experiences that you had um, trying to access care? What other care yeah. have you put off during this time? Uh, yeah. what, what all is like that going on for you right now?
1: Um, I am back in active care. Um, I got a new doctor. Surprisingly, my doctor quit during COVID. So that was another, yes, literally gone. So not only could I not get a bed or go to the hospital, but like my doctor wasn't even there for me to go get like the clinic. Like, So I had to react with me to a whole new person. Like, you know, and so I take my doctor visits seriously. Like you don't just get 20 minutes with me. (laughs) I'm sitting down. I'm like, so let me tell you about this bump on the back of my, he's like, wait, 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 but I'm like, this is my body guys. Like, you know, I have to take, and I'm getting older and I'm a black gay man. There are certain things that I experience that other people won't. I have to know these things. I need an anal pap smear. Like, what is up? You know? And so I think the care now is is better because I have a new doctor um, that I really communicate with and talk to. Um, And I still go to the same place. So you know, I'm not going to say the name, but it's 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 good care. I just was not able to get the services from a hospital that um, that I would have liked to have gotten. Clinics aren't hospitals. <laughs> no, I I can't just go to my clinic and seek service, and they have a bed waiting for me. You know, so the fact that I live in New York and couldn't like go to the hospital. Like, that kind of, like, do I even want to live here now? You know, like, it's just a lot, it's a lot of stuff. I mean, but can I afford to move right now? Jobs are, people are losing jobs, people are losing money. I'm not getting the same contracts I got before, you know? So these are all real things that people have to think about that no one's talking about and how we got a stimulus months ago and we're expected to live off of that $1,200 all the way up until October is, like, backlisting. Yeah. and I didn't get a stimulus. I know people in my family that deserved a, a stimulus but didn't get one because of, you know, cracks or whatever, but people are really hurting out here and I don't think that enough attention is really being paid to it. Right now we're talking about voting and yes, that's important, but to people that look like me, we're like what are we voting for? <laughs> Just mm-hmm. more of the same cuz nothing has really changed for us. And or you know, in our in my hometown of Detroit, people are still suffering, still no jobs, still no food, still no money. So what are we voting for? But I, I encourage voting, of course, but, you know, I just think we have to be honest about, you know, the, the feelings of different people, different types of people right now di- during this COVID time.
2: Guy, I'm wondering what you feel um, the people in in your life uh, could do to be more supportive of you as you're what you said is that you're processing a lot of trauma, a lot of things are yeah. popping up um, and invited, yeah. of course. Uh, so what are some ways that, that we could uh, support you and other COVID patients?
1: That's a good question. Check on a simple text on, you know, um, I have a really, I'm blessed. I have a really great support system. My my friends, they check on me. They comfort me. They eat my food. <laughs> but you know, even um, like my friends, like my um, healthy voices—not healthy voices—but my positivity feelish tribe with Robert, like they we have chat logs. Like we we check on each other all the time. And I, if I'm honest, that has helped me because I'm not a phone person. I'm not gonna call you. Love you. Not gonna call you. Um, but sometimes I think just. To ask me what's wrong, I think that that has done wonders for me lately. Mm-hmm. Because most, you, you know, when you have this like persona online, people think, you know, and it's happy go lucky. People just say, oh, he's good. Oh, he's in Mexico. He's here. He's living the life. And those sometimes are like the most depressed people in the world. <laughs> and if I'm honest, a lot of my depression right now is because I'm not traveling. I'm happiest when I'm away. And I've not been able to, like Robert knows, like last year, I went to like four countries, like I'm out. And so the fact that I had to like, sit in this little apartment in Brooklyn, <laughs> I'm like, get me out of here. Um, but just the text message, just the check, you know? And, and that's all anyone would ever want because there's really not much you can do for me, you know? Yeah. I'm, you guys are struggling, I mean, not struggling in that sense, but you guys are struggling with your own stuff. Um, and, and, and a lot of times we don't want to be burdened so but just a quick text message like, hey, thinking of you, boom. Well, that's what we need.
3: You know, I think that was the hardest thing for me during this whole quarantine um, was, like, being alone, isolated, and then being like constantly, like, thinking of yourself and what you're yeah. doing, what you're not doing or accomplishing and how you're still, you know what I mean? I just, for me, it was a horrible experience to yeah.
1: constantly have
3: to look at yourself. You know what I mean? 24-7. Yeah. And I felt that's kind of really mentally was what the hardest part for me was. I didn't mind yeah. the whole yeah. staying in, but it was the not being able to see and hug people. You know what I mean? That yeah. really, I missed. Yeah. You're a hug so.
0: I'm
2: a well, hugger, now I'm not. <laughs> You've made a really important yeah, I'm point.
0: Up. Go ahead, Don. I'm sorry.
2: Um, you're bringing up a really good point about how, you know, when we don't have either the coping mechanisms or just the access to the friendships that, that we need, um, sometimes we're looking at ourselves, but then sometimes we're we're kind of looking at ourselves through a funhouse mirror. Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: mm. Mm. <laughs> we lost you, Don.
0: We lost you, Don.
3: Yeah, I lost Don. So um,
2: guess- like it's it's so hard. There we go. To, to live in the moment, particularly when the moment is scary, and then like try and stay hopeful for the future and then like <laughs> eat enough <all of> vegetables. It's <laughs> <Yes. laughs> like, oh God. <laughs> I know. Oh, God.
1: Yeah. I, I, I'm only doing what I can do.
2: I mm-hmm. think that
1: I give myself permission to, if I feel sleepy, I'm going to sleep. <laughs> I'm not going to stay, stay up and try to talk to stuff. I'm going to sleep. And I think that this has definitely forced me to put myself first in my health. And I wasn't healthy before. And I'm still not healthy now, but I, I'm aware of it. And I think that once you're aware of something, you can make effective change. And so um, I know what my triggers are now, even more so than before. And mm-hmm. so I'm, al- I'm alleviating those triggers. Like, I'm not going to, like, I, I'm, why didn't anybody tell me about breathing, intentional breathing? You know, right? I know, right? It seems so simple, but we did a thing about breathing the other day. And I was just like, all I have to do is like breathe for 30 seconds and I can like calm my brain down a little bit. And so guys, now I drink tea now too. So I'm really like trying to get myself in a more um, spiritual like centered space. And so now like I was overwhelmed to have a grant due on Wednesday, okay? during COVID. So you, I, I'm extra stressed. And I just breathed before I took the grant call. And I was just like, oh, okay, clarity. Hey, who knew? <laughs> Why didn't y'all tell me about this? So I'm just learning new things about myself every single day in isolation, um, as anyone can, I guess, in a pandemic.
0: Guy, mm-hmm. You kind of touched on it just briefly, but I'm kind of curious, how have you managed to try to keep away from like getting Zoom fatigue during this time. I know that a lot of our advocacies has yeah. shifted and we're doing a lot of these, you know, online and, and Zoom meetings now. Um yeah. are do you like intentionally like not not do interview? I mean have, has have you how's that changed for you?
1: Um I don't think everything needs to be a Zoom <laughs> because I'm zoomed out. Like we wouldn't have this many meet meetings in person. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, I, some of my um, gigs, like, I've only seen them once <laughs> the entire year. So now I have to see you three times, like, girl. <laughs> <laughs> like, baby, how you do to, you know, like, people wanted to, like, during, like, lockdown, they wanted to, like, be on the camera. I'm, like, looking like a grizzly bear. I'm like, girl, no, this is not what I want to do. <laughs> so I think, you know, um, I'm selective with my Zoom.
0: (laughs) I get it. I get it. And it it was also, it kind of really surprised me. I think we should also address the fact that um, a lot of people just take for granted at the beginning of COVID, a lot of people were saying, you know, now's going to be a great time for you to learn a new hobby or learn a new trait or learn a new this or that. And they don't take into account that, I mean, I love it that, that those people's lives are to the point that with the shutdown, that's yes. something that they can focus on, yes. but for those of us living with chronic health conditions, there are so yes. many it's not just like it opened or freed our time to be able to learn how to oil paint or learn how to <laughs> or, or something like that it's um' Look, have, I don't have, want have had any paint. kind of shame like that uh thrown thrown in your direction. Why are you taking this time to be more productive
1: I, and th- like you see on Instagram all these posts like um, how to start your million dollar business today watch this i'm I don't want to start a business so I don't even want to do the business I have, okay, so I mean, I'm thankful that I'm in this position you know um that nothing has stopped for me, honestly, like my bills are all still being paid, and that's that's not a lot of people's story, so I have to be mindful of that, but also like I don't want to even think about business and as usual, when I just lost uh uh-uh. uh. You know, and I just feel like sometimes like social media and I, and I also, guys, I limit my social media interaction, change my life. I don't post as often. I have the thing on my iPhone that um, I cut it. I do four hours a day on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. Well, I took Facebook and the chat off my phone, so I've not had it in a month. I am limiting what I have access. I don't need to see your new clothing boutique. I don't care, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, we're in a pandemic. And I think that like, that's what I I mean when it's like now it's kind of business as usual because people are like, buy my new skirt, cute, but no, it's not like, are you serious? And so I think that sometimes that makes me angry because a lot of those people have not lost someone to COVID Mm -hmm. or themselves have not been sick right so you kind of you know post flippantly you just say oh it's back to but i have and i like my my friend she has literally after her parents died she is she took facebook off like she's done you know because she doesn't want to have to see you know covid all day every day when she just lost two of her parents to covid you know i don't want to to see people living their lives and and being like crazy and not wearing masks and at parties. I don't wanna see that because you've never had COVID so you don't understand how it's life or death for certain people. And a lot of times it's death, but you're just out here carelessly living your life. And that angers me. And so I don't wanna put myself in that position to be angry. So now, social media four hours. That's all you, do like it. you
0: said, God, I mean, you're like I said, you've been lucky and blessed enough to be able to, you know, keep your bills paid and yes. all of that. Um, we know that right now, now that the moratorium on evictions is lifting yes. in a lot of places, we know yes. we have that wave coming. I know for me, it it literally it blew my mind watching all across the United States. You know, in the in the greatest country in the world. Seeing the lines of people and families for food, and I'm like, this is the United States, and I'm like, crazy. a virus has created, you know, all you know, and like we said, it is just putting a spotlight on how fragile our civilization yeah. and our culture here really, really can yeah. be and turn on a
1: dime. And it's crazy how like people like I was talking to um, a CPA, and they were like, you know, you should have ten thousand dollars in your emergency fund, and I'm like. These <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. You should have $10,000 in your emergency fund. And I'm like, you want me, a regular pay- person living in America to have 10, 10K saved up when these multi-million dollar corporations went out of business in a month? How does mm-hmm. that even make sense? You expect me to have it, but you like, come on now. And they are the ones that are being bailed out. I didn't get a bailout. <laughs> you know, I didn't even get a a stimulus check. So anything like, thank God that I was able to save up money, which is rare for me, because I usually don't and this year actually did. So I'm like, okay. But the fact that you're expecting me to have 10k saved up, not knowing how I'm going to eat or where I'm going to live. And all of these people are going, you know, belly up in their businesses that they've had for years. That means that something's wrong. There's an an inequity somewhere and we got to figure it out. So Great points. Yeah. Sorry, I have a crook in my neck, guys, so I can't turn this way. Have you noticed? <laughs> I'm like trying to be as normal as possible. And I'm like, oh, what's over here? But okay. <laughs>
2: so, uh, guy, what would you say, um, you know, now that we, I think we we've hit a lot of the um, the, the big points of the of the of your COVID experience? Sorry. Um, yeah. What do you think? If you could say one thing to to people who are making choices about their health in, in the context of COVID, what would you say to them?
1: Oh my God, that's now nah, that that girl, <laughs> Don. That's heavy because what I would say to someone in New York is different than what I would say to someone in Detroit mm-hmm. or to Georgia or to Florida, right? And so I think it definitely varies because I am even as connected as i am in new york i still couldn't get i still couldn't get adequate healthcare during this time yeah. so if i couldn't get into a hospital in new york like you know or also cuz i'm poor too so i mean that could be it but also you know i don't know i just i people have a inherent distrust of public health and i i don't from the way that I've navigated. And I've, and, I've, and I've been in close proximity to healthcare. So I know how to navigate it. But a lot of people don't have that luxury of knowing how to navigate insurance or healthcare or, you know, and so those are the people that I really feel for because, like, no one's teaching you how to do this. Um, so what I would say to someone in Detroit is you have to do what's best for you in, in, in those terms. And, and also, I don't know what that is. I really don't know, if I'm honest, like how to communicate taking care of yourself when you know that the system is not built to protect you anyway.
2: Yeah,
0: and I want to point out, it, it, as you were talking, it it made me think about how you, know, you live in New York City, where there's you know all these big, great, you know world-renowned hospitals. Oh yeah. But even in communities, you know, in rural America and counties where their only county hospital has gone belly up and yes. has closed. Oh, my God. How do, how are people in rural America, you know, dealing with COVID and not having a hospital nearby to go yeah. to? Um, it's, I mean, it, it is also just further spotlighting, you know, inequities and, and our need to to change the way that we look at healthcare.
1: And, and even a hospital, there was a story recently about um, a grandfather had, or someone having to take a kid from um, the Bronx to a Queens hospital because the Bronx hospital was over like overcrowded and they had to drive two hours and the girl ended up dying so like even in new york like two hours and that you know the traffic and stuff like that but you couldn't even go to your local hospital and this is new york right like the greatest city in the world and so if we're experiencing this kind of deficit i my heart goes out to the people in the south that like you just said their their only hospital in, in, in close proximity has gone belly up. Like I don't even know like what do you do? What do you do?
0: That's uh, like you can't you can't get on go on a ventilator through telehealth. So it's
1: no, like No, you can't. I don't know guys. We're in a conundrum. <laughs> but I'm glad that we're doing this today because at least someone um you know, can see sort of a positive story, I guess. I mean, although I'm still going through it. And then also an- another thing really quickly is like the remnants of COVID, right? Like, I don't know, you know, there've been a couple of things have, that have gone on with my body post healing, I guess. And that have that I never experienced before, you know? So like some personal things. And so, you know, I'm dealing with that as well. And I And I think that we don't talk about enough of, Okay, they didn't die and they they live, but what what's next? There, you know, people have lost memory. Like I don't remember much. I don't know if that is, you know, but I I had a better memory than I did before COVID, and now it's like it's weird, and that and that frustrates me because I'm you know I'm, I think I'm a quick guy, but now I can't even, and you know, and so I like and we don't know, and I think that that's my issue is that we just really don't know. The great unknown is like. Um, we we have to keep going to get tested. We have to keep, you know, doing those things. But how do they know what the remnants of it are or the effects on my body after COVID? And -hmm. can I get it again? They said I could. So that's scary, too. It's a positive thought.
3: Crazy scary. One of the things that, um, you know, we speak about um, a few times is isolation and how that's really affected us through this time. Um, What is the one thing that you cannot wait to do once we kind of get back to uh, uh, a little normal, but like, what is the one thing that you can just not wait to
1: get out there and do? Get out of this country. I mean, not in that <laughs> way, but like travel. That is my, my. I have four trips that were canceled this year because of COVID, you know, and I'm glad, but I, I, was, I was ready to go. Um, this is my year of travel, and so I was going to Santo Domingo. So I'm like, I want to get out of here, um, and you know, I really want to go back to London. I, my friend, I have a lot of friends over there. That's why I was actually, I'm actually thinking about relocating to London. Um, and so I'm, I was supposed to be going back this year to look at places, look at flats, and see what that looks like because I think it's time. I love <laughs>
3: watching you travel online. I think it's amazing Thank you. and seeing that you you travel with. It's, it's not the same group of guys. It's a bunch no. of different people all the time. So <laughs> I love that you have, like, tribes for everything in your life. And I think that's I something that, you know, somebody like me needs to really start opening up and having those tribes for certain things yeah. because it's, it's awesome. It's, it's a great way to fill in your
1: support system, and it has yeah. to make you feel good to have all those people around you. Love you. Well, that's why what, that's what I always say I'm really blessed. And I, But I collect people. That's my thing. Like, I'm a collector of people. Like, you know, like you're stuck with me. You know, like, what, Dawn, you're stuck with me now, too. So it's that thing. And, 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 and you do right by your friends. You do right by your tribe. And you check on them. And you affirm them. And you love them. And yeah. I think that whatever energy, whatever you put out into the universe, that's what you can expect back. Not what you should get back. I expect goodness to come to me. Because I genuinely try to put out goodness. And so I think that people are attracted to that. You know, Um, I'm no Denzel Washington, so it has to be my personality. (laughs) They have to like me for my personality and not my look, right? So, but, um, but no, I just, I just really have, I have best friends for 15 years, 10. Like I don't lose friends. You know, if I lose a friend, it's because we're like, girl, we're done. But I just keep those good, those good people and that good energy. And if I'm honest, like, that's how I've been able to really get through COVID, too, is because all of my best friends from Detroit, I swear to God, guys, they all live around, like, within 10, 10 blocks from me, like, five of them. So I these aren't new people that I just met in New York. I've known them my whole life. So that's also good. I barbecue now, you know? I picked up hobbies like barbecue, and I bought a portable grill, and we socially distanced at the park, and we, um, we we bought a karaoke machine, we had drinks, and I barbecued right there in the park and with all my friends there, and I was like, this is what I need. So if I'm honest, I'm gonna need that, but in closed doors after COVID, and then I'm gonna need my trip to London yeah. time. Yeah.
3: That's awesome.
1: Thank you, Robert. <laughs> One of the things that we um,
3: always ask everybody who comes on the show is, tell us a little bit about your Healthy Voices experience. You know, this, this oh. podcast was kind of birthed out of that conference. So I just want to know a little bit about, you know, your experience and, and, and what you get out of going every year.
1: Yeah, well, I'm a three-time
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: attendee. You see, I couldn't turn this way, guys. I'm a three-time <laughs> attendee. Um, I love Healthy Voices. If I'm honest, this is the first, so before, I, before there was a Healthy Voices, I didn't think that other like chronic illness communities, like had conferences. I don't know. Just, like, I just thought that, you know, cause HIV is like a multi-billion dollar industry. Right. And I know that, you know, people make their whole careers out of just doing HIV work. Right. And I just didn't know that like, you know, IBD had a conference too. And so I didn't know how they lived. And I think, you know, what's missing from humanity is really knowing how another person lives. And, you know, some of their dreams and aspirations and some of the things they go through, instead of just reading it on social media. And I think what Healthy Voices, it gave me the opportunity to meet different people living with other chronic illnesses. And I didn't feel like alone anymore. I was like, oh, so you too? Hey, boo. And if I'm honest, some of my closest friends have come from Healthy Voices to this day, but from different... Illnesses, right? And like this, I always say, like, that's the only conference I can be like, what, what you got? <laughs> <laughs> like, IBD, <laughs> <like>, oh, <laughs> HIV, know, <laughs> so <laughs> but, right, right. And but- that's
0: one. That's, and I have to agree. That's one thing about healthy voices. Like, I, you know, living with HIV and being an HIV advocate, you know, I had no idea how much I shared in common. Exactly. With someone with IBD, you know, and accessing health care and, and, and having caretakers. And um, that's what I – hearing other people's stories, it it makes us more bonded as, Absolutely. as people. So it's,
1: it's been amazing, an amazing experience. I love it. This is the first year I haven't gone. Right? Yeah. Well, I mean, because of, obviously – but yeah, I think this is like the first year that I haven't gone, you know? And I'm like, what is, what is that? I don't like it. This is my one conference a year that I love. And this is I tell everyone, this is the one that I really enjoy. So I'm glad that we could do it.
0: Well, I'm kind of curious. I wonder, um, do we have any questions from... We got Robin. ...out there that, that we... I've like tried to see some, but it's like... Uh, the the
3: so God, what is the one thing that you've learned about yourself um, during this whole, I guess, 2020 quarantine life? What is like the one thing that?
1: That I haven't like really dealt with the pain and the trauma. But I thought right. I did. Or maybe you really never do, right? Maybe it's a lifelong kind of journey kind of thing. But I, I, I think that Um, I packaged it well, put it smiled, made it glossy, dressed it up, but I wasn't dealing with it. And I think now I've learned how to deal with it for real, you know, and I think, and I'm also understanding why I packaged it up for so long. And, you know, me and my mom, we talked about this. My mom was Everything needs to look perfect. When you leave out of the house, there should be no lint. Your clothes should be ironed to perfection. You come home with dirt on you, punishment. So if you, if you know me, everything is always, it has to be like, like and, and I, really, I wasn't living. I just always try to present so perfectly. And I'm like, that's not who I am. I'm hurting. And why am I trying to present perfectly? And so mm-hmm. I'm learning how not to, if, if you see, like, to me, I even thought about wearing this. I was like, this is so unlike me. I had on a turtleneck the other day. Like, like. <laughs> and I'm just like, you know what? Whoever. <laughs> Who am I? But I'm, I'm comfortable, right? And so I'm like, even, but people don't even think about stuff like that. They're like, it's just the shirt. But to me, it's a whole process. And so that I'm learning to get out of my head more. And that it doesn't have to be perfect to be loved. Mm-hmm. And and I think that that is what I've learned the most. is I don't have to give you perfection for you to love me. I'm worthy of love just in general. 100%. And that's on period. Robert, <laughs> <laughs> stop laughing, guys. I'm burning up. But I, I'm well, loving these questions. Though. So, so <laughs> one of the things that um, people <laughs> may not know about
3: you is that you're a music artist. You rap and you have yeah. your own. You know stuff going on there so in quarantine did maybe uh did any of your creativity flow with maybe new music
1: or anything mm-hmm. like that yeah bro, I wrote a couple of songs I, I'm always writing I think people um I think it was really difficult for people to like like understand that I was a rapper because they're like what this guy that does up <laughs> all these HIV HM advocacy videos and I'm like oh uh, uh, uh. but that is I'm multifaceted. Like I, I I write, I rap, I dance, I went to performing arts high school. Like I did oratory. Like these are all the parts of my personality that like, I love to tap into. And so of course, I wrote a lot of poetry, a lot of a lot of sad stuff. Um, definitely. I journaled. Um, I definitely I haven't created music because I'm afraid to go to a studio. I'm taking it seriously, guys. But once the studio opens, like for real, I'm gonna go back in and record. I dropped my mixtape made in Detroit this year on my birthday while I was in London. I thought I, I thought I wanted to do a Beyonce move, like just drop your album while you're overseas. And it worked like people bought it. And, and I thought that was kind of dope. And now I talk to people and they say, I love Daddy's Little Boy. Like they know the words. And to me, I, that's just another way, uh, another outlet for me to get some of, the, some of the trauma out, some of the pain out. And if you listen to my music, it's not particularly happy music. It's good beats. And but I but I also study rap, like I study music. I'm not just, you know, oh, I'm a influencer that raps on the side. No, this is what I was doing since I was sixteen. I just decided to take it seriously. And I think more than ever, I'm just, you know, taking my art seriously, because that's that was that is what sustained me through the HIV diagnosis. And my art will sustain me through this. Hopefully. <laughs> um, I'm curious guy. do you TikTok? Have you picked up TikTok, Darren? I don't know the TikTok. That's what the young kids. I barely get on the Instagram. <laughs> I don't know how to TikTok. My friend had to do my reels for me on Instagram because I was like, now how do I do it? He, he had to send an email for me the other day because I, I lost it and I couldn't find it. And I'm like, something has to change. Like I'm only 34. <laughs> I lost the email. Yeah. But, no. You and you, you, your, your TikTok. Y'all keep that. <laughs> I can't. Yes. Yeah. Oh, my God. God. I'm sorry, guys. It's just so entertaining. So, wait. So, I have a couple questions for y'all. How are you guys dealing with COVID? You know, like. I mean, that's a real question to, to even have to put on the show right and and take calls and, and like really put on a production in a pandemic <laughs> like that's a reality How, how have you guys um, gone through that and like where are you now? Don, you want to go first? okay um well, um
2: it's weird uh, of course, this whole thing is weird. <laughs> um, <laughs> I I do a lot of uh, consulting with pharma, and then I do disability advocacy and um, writing about arthritis and that kind of thing. Um, and everything has taken a hard pivot um, to centering COVID or centering the um, consequences of COVID. So whether it's writing about, you know, how to find a food pantry, how to make the most out of your money. You know, I've been doing some work on on the idea of um, building resiliency, but it's also low-key, just like, you need to take this food thing seriously, oh my god, please take this seriously, do not wait to run out of food, to try and find more food, oh my god, (laughs) you know, but um, it's really, as you said, if you're from the Detroit area, um, there is no escaping how real this is, And um, my, uh, my aunt and I live together and um, she's an essential worker. And Mm -hmm. one of her colleagues came one inch from dying uh, of COVID. And um, when you're working in a grocery store, like she does, people just are coughing all over you. Yeah. And she, um, she has to work in there. I mean, she needs that job for a lot of reasons, but one of the reasons is because she keeps getting skin cancer and she has to pay for her treatment. And um, there is no alternative. She just, this is the job that she has to have. And, you know, that's what we're dealing with. And so the daily stress of living with an essential worker through a pandemic is wild. It It is wild, like there have been some days where I'm in the middle of making dinner and I just start crying. And, and I'm like, yeah, you're crying because this is terrible. <laughs> This is this is horrifying. Usually, I'm kind of um, I'm I have a hard edge to me, even though I'm very smiley and everybody knows. You know, I want them to feel good about themselves and live their best lives. And yes, you can hug me. Um, I've been through a lot, so I know that sometimes you just have to keep going. But like you're saying, the it's like a trauma whack-a-mole too. Cause this, this stuff is, is just coming up and, and, you know, my mom died um, in 2012. She was on a ventilator for um, a couple weeks before she died. And so I cannot see this stuff on TV where they're putting people on ventilators. Like I can't even watch that on Grey's Anatomy. So to turn on the TV any night of the week and they're talking about ventilators, I'm just like, yeah. So it's, it's hard. It's, it's really hard. So far we've been lucky uh, in this house. We've been lucky in um, in our family and we're grateful, but you know, we're not done. So none of us are done.
0: Right. I know that for for me, it has been, um, it's been interesting actually, like we, I mean, just to be an open, honest conversation here, Um, even turn some of the responsibilities of the show over to Jansen because it just is too much uh, trying to deal with, you know, living our lives and and being alive tomorrow um, and trying to produce the show at the same time. It was, it was a challenge, but uh, for me, I've also been very fortunate that I have a fantastic husband that we have been utilizing, state parks. We have been, um, that way we can socially distance, but we can get outside and enjoying some of the natural beauty uh, and natural waterfall falls and things like that around us. Um, that's been probably one of the, and we even went and spent uh, a couple of nights at a friend's condo on a lake and when we get there, we realize that there's no internet. So there's no TV. And it wound up, and at first I was like, oh, my God, what are we going to do? But we had the greatest two days um, of just yeah. you know nights we were playing board games and laughing harder than we've laughed you know, since, since we were dating. And um, it was a great time for us to connect and, and just reminded us of how much we love each other and how in love with one another we were. Um, so there's been some really great experiences through through this as well. How about you, Robert?
1: That's too cute! Wow, oh,
3: I am not that fancy for my, <laughs> my during this quarantine. Um, no, it's it's been crazy. It's been you know we've we've had some work to do. I lost work in in March, and then I just recently went back in July, um, full time now back to part time. So it kind of feels like I'm going backwards. Um, the quarantine and all that really just affected me mentally. But I focused on doing kind of I called them quarantine projects so i created things like shelving units and things like that and decorated them for my room to kind of keep my mind off of from constantly being in our head because you know we're our own worst critics so the whole time i'm sitting here i'm like i'm not cleaning this i'm not doing that i'm not learning this and it just it became too much you know what i mean but i was glad at least you know my family was safe during the whole time my sister was a frontline both of my sisters were frontline workers working in a pharmacy and a dentist office so it was it was scary, you know, but I'm glad that, you know, we're kind of sort of not into the normal stage, but, you know, it just getting back to the workflow kind of makes me feel good. So for me, it was it was overall it was a, it was it was alright, I guess. But guy, um, we're actually winding down. I can't believe we're almost done. Oh, uh, so I just want to um, real quick, I want you to throw out your information where people can go get find you at your website, your Instagram. Yeah yeah
1: um you can find me on uh, i have a website i am guy it's very easy twitter i am guy anthony. instagram i am guy <laughs> um yeah you can literally find um oh facebook The guy anthony although i'm not on there anymore um i do just post stuff occasionally but nothing too serious but i'm definitely on twitter um and instagram so and thank you guys for having me as your first guest I- I so, feel so honored and I really appreciate y'all for listening. So thank you. Thank well, you. Don, what about how can we find you on
0: social media?
2: I'm at Don, the letter M, Gibson, and uh, on Twitter. And um, yeah, that Twitter is is the main thing. And then you yeah. can we chat with Don Gibson on Facebook.
3: Robert? Nice. And I'm, of course, um, you can find me at Robert Brining on Facebook or uh,
0: Robert B is me. On Instagram, and you can find me at Brady Dale 311 on Twitter, Instagram, and then Brady Dale Eds Corn Morris, and just look for this face on Facebook if you want to find me. Awesome. <laughs> but uh, for more information on Healthy Voices, please visit healthyvoices.com. Also, be sure to follow at Healthy Voices. That's H E A L T H E V O I C E S on Twitter and Instagram for updates on this podcast, as well as other upcoming virtual programs, including super healthy voices live coming up on Saturday, November 21st, 2020. And while we're at it, don't forget to subscribe, rate and review healthy voices radio on Apple podcast or your podcatcher of choice and share our posts with your, on your social media networks. It really helps others find the show. And with that said, we'll see y'all next time. Thank y'all.
1: Bye. Bye, everybody. Let's go.
0: I feel it too. Come on with me. We'll make it through. We're here. We're strong.